It's Thursday, October 31st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Fool.com, Matt Copenheffer, and from Motley Fool Funds, Tim Hansen. Happy Halloween, gentlemen. Happy Halloween, Happy Halloween, indeed. We don't have the video going today. Uh, A a little bit of a shame, Tim, because Matt is dressed. What are you dressed as? Uh, This is is a Harold and Kumar, original Harold and Kumar throwback, extreme sports punk. Extreme sports punk. Harold and Kumar fans will will definitely remember that. I am now reminded. All seven of them. (laughs) Oh, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greatest movies ever. Uh, I am reminded now, Tim, was it two years ago that you and Joe Mager and I were, were taping Market Foolery on Halloween and we did – we had you guys had uh, – you, you had a luchador mask. You made me wear mask. the luchador mask, yeah. <laughs> I took it off though. It was itchy. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of itchy. We, we tried to – not ha- a big Halloween guy. I was going to say, I'm you not, sound like you're really yeah. in the spirit. I, uh, Matt Greer, our producer at the time, had this idea, good idea of like, hey, what can we do? It's Halloween. And so we sh- we filmed in the dark, which actually when you when you shoot video in the dark, guess what? It, the video quality, not that not yeah. that high. But anyway, the Luchadorian masks, they look good despite being itchy. Shooting the shooting in the dark is up there with Matt's best ideas. You know, like the, the horse, bet on the horse stock. Race thing and thirty second stock pitches. Twenty seven second. Twenty seven second stock pitches. Oh yeah, no, these are the Hall of Fame of Greer ideas. <laughs> um, we're going to stick with the Halloween theme. We're not, you know, I know there are companies reporting earnings. Facebook, Starbucks, among them, but uh, we will cover those on Investor Beat. We will cover those on the Motley Fool Money Radio Show. But we're sticking with Halloween and the classic trick or treat theme. And let's start with the trick stocks. And I, I told you guys, you can take this in any direction you want. It can be a company that you felt like you were tricked by. It's it, it, management, anything. When you think of a trick stock, Tim Hanson, what do you got? Uh, Tile Shop Holdings, which reported today. Uh, there was a, a, a short seller out with a report, I think, last week that questioned some of their financials and also the safety of their product, which is bathroom and kitchen tile. Uh-huh. Um, you know, They reported really disappointing earnings today. And uh, the stock is expensive, and if you're and if you're putting up bad numbers in like a recovering housing environment, there's probably probably something wrong there. So uh, yeah, Tile Shop Holdings. When you the trick uh, when when you think about that short <laughs> report, was it was whoever wrote that were they pretty spot on with uh, with their short case? You know, you got to remember anytime anybody puts out a bullish report or bearish report generally speaking they're talking their own book yeah um you know having said that i thought i don't think the company has yet responded to the, the product safety claims that's obviously a critical issue um but yeah looking at the uh you know they raised some 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 good points namely you know they had just signed up to be on and this is something any investor can and should do when you're thinking about a retail stock or consumer facing stock they just signed up to be on the email mailing list right and they were they recorded all the times they got these like flash sale announcements and you know and we used to joke about this with Blue Nile. If you look, when Blue Nile's quarter is ending, generally speaking, this was the case last year. This is the online jewelry company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all of a sudden, they had a lot of sales at Blue Nile. You know, and it's you know the jo- and if you're an investor, you say, wow, they're really trying to make their numbers. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, same thing here with Tile Shop Holdings. A lot of flash sales, obviously trying to move inventory. Um, flash sales are going to be bad for profit margins, but it's, and it's indicative of a company that's trying to make a number, a top line number, and that's. Generally speaking, not a good sign. We don't like businesses that are managed from quarter to quarter, but rather for multi-year periods. Um, and you know, and so if you're if you're an investor in anything like that, that's a great trick. Which is you know, stick with the theme here. Just sign up for the email list. Count how many sales they're having, and if they're having a lot of sales, business probably isn't very good. Let, 
Let me just say, sticking with the ha- Halloween theme, uh, when I think of bathroom tile, the first thing that comes to mind is danger. Hell yeah. <laughs> A lot of things can go wrong in there. Well, and, and if the movies are indication, any indication, uh, certainly in horror movies, yeah, the bad things tend to happen what, with what, bathroom what tile. What is the safety concern? Oh, it just has to do with, I think it's the amount of lead in the tile. Oh, and so they called okay. up, for example, and they said, you know, with the, the people shorting the stock called up and said, they asked the sales associate, you know, would this be appropriate for like a kid's bathroom? Would this be appropriate for a kitchen where I'm preparing food? And they said, oh, yeah, that'd be great. It'd be a perfect fit. And then they got this, they got, they allegedly got these, you know, independent tests back that showed that the, you know, the, I think it was the lead, the lead concentration in the tile was at toxic levels, which obviously you don't want to be cutting, you know, your tuna sushi on or whatever. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, that's. Not Maddie, what do you got for a trick stock? So I was looking at uh, Best Buy. S- somehow I missed out on this. Uh, year to date, this stock is up 260%. It's amazing. It, it is amazing. It is an that's amazing really, run that that stock has had. That's really impressive. Uh, and, and and if you look at the, the, the revenue multiples today, the, the, the profits still aren't quite there. But if you, if you look at the revenue multiples versus historical, you can still say that the stock looks cheap if you think that profit margins are going to come back. But- I don't think margins are going to come back. The company is doing some right things. They've got new management in there. They're juicing up their website. That's helped. But everything else that's challenged Best Buy so much over the past few years, not really changing. Competitive landscape, not really changing. So maybe this was a treat at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think investors looking at the big gains and, and thinking they want to ride this train further, uh, I think that's, that's more likely a trick than anything else. All right, let's move over to treat stocks. And uh, again, you can take it in any direction you want. But when you think about, I, I know what direction I'm going to go in. I'm going to stretch this analogy as far as I absolutely can. Um, a treat stock. You know, so uh, there aren't a lot out there right now, and that, in my opinion, and that's a, that's just a commentary on you know how expensive I think the market has gotten writ, yeah. writ large. Um, you know, having said that, you know, I think you know one. Potentially treat stock that I've had my eye on recently is a, is a company called Covanta, which is um, they do energy from waste incinerators. So this is kind of an interesting business model. We have one here in Alexandria, just uh, two miles from headquarters, Full HQ. Uh, basically, they, the way the Alexandria facility works is they've got a contract with the city. All the trash that they collect goes to the incinerator, and they get paid to collect the trash. Based on the work I've done, they basically get break even or slightly lose money on the trash collection. Okay. Okay. They then incinerate the trash at an extremely high temperature with the trash being the fuel right for the incineration that generates um, heat which creates steam and they, and creates electricity they then sell the electricity back onto the grid and then left over in the ash is um, they, or they separate out some metals right which they then sell for scrap and so their profit margin is whatever they can sell the electricity for plus whatever they can sell the scrap metal for um, they got hit on the last earnings report because they didn't qu- sell quite as much electricity. And if you if you believe that they're break even to losing money on the trash incineration, and if they if you know if they have fluctuating energy demand or fluctuating metals prices, their profits are going to suffer disproportionately. And obviously, metal prices right now are low lowish, and having a weak quarter on the electricity gen side um, was bad, and so profits were disappointing. The stock sold off pretty 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 sharply. Um, but you know, I think it's a really interesting long-term defensive business model. Obviously, a huge moat, right? Alexandria is not going to put in another trash incinerator. Right. Um, and if metals prices come back, you know, I think we've all heard the story about you know electricity demand and the fact that we're not building as many generating assets as we are increasing demand for electricity. 
you know, I think it's it's a really defensive business model with with interesting profit potential, and in in a in a at a time where stocks are expensive, the economic outlook is murky. You know, this is a very defensive business with steady revenues, cash flows, um, with upside in terms of, like I said, with metals prices and energy demand. Tell me the name of the company one more uh, time. Covanta. And the ticker? CVA. CVA. All right. Put that on my watch list. Maddie, what about you? So, coming out of the, the financial crisis. I love it when start answers start with so. I, I'm, I'm going to sit back here and wait for this story. So, so. Do, do you like that better as much or worse than if someone starts an answer with "look"? Oh, oh, it's not as good as that. If you get somebody to say "look," you've won the conversation. What about what about a time long, long ago? <laughs> but just on that point, who was the investor? There was some inve- you pointed me towards it. In, in oh, a, a, Bill Ackman. A, a transcript of somebody an interview was with Bill, Bill Ackman. Ackman how he felt about. His investment in Herbalife, and if he got emotional about his stock, he's like, "Look, what I'm saying. Look, look." <laughs> it, was a, it was a three look response, which at that point, someone is on their heels. <laughs> yeah, add, add a couple Ta- grains of salt notes. to that. I'm taking notes. All right, Maddie. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, five, five years out from the financial crisis, the the multiples on big banks look cheap. I I happen to think that those big banks are cheap. On the other hand, you've got all this legal risk. Uh, we're seeing J.P. Morgan trying to put the final touches on a $13 billion settlement. Bank of America coming out today uh, saying it's upping its its legal reserves. That all stinks. Uh, AIG, low multiple without the legal payouts. Uh, I think uh, Robert Ben Moshe has, has, has really done a fantastic job turning AIG around, putting it back on stable footing going forward. This won't be the same kind of profit generation of pre-crisis AIG because the financial products that got AIG into so much trouble generated a lot of profit before they blew the company up. But uh, there's really solid property and casualty insurer there. It's a good uh, life insurer there. And hey, if the if the uh, housing market continues to come back, there is a, uh, a, uh, a home insurer too that, that's in there that, uh, that could do, do pretty well. Um, I'm glad you're here for this, Tim, because my treat is actually this is, and this is not something that I'm saying. Oh, I think this is a, a screaming buy right now. You're picking stocks now? No, 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 no. It's, it's I love this. No, this is a, <laughs> this is a stock that I own based on a report that you wrote on it years ago. And okay. This is Melco. Melco. Uh, Congratulations. Um, Melco is a treat for me just because I uh, I bought it uh, after reading your research, um, and then it doubled. And I did the move that my father-in-law frequently does with his investments, which was, you know, if he gets a double, he then frequently will just sell half, and then he's just playing with house money. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and I've I've largely forgotten that I own it mm-hmm. until <laughs> if I from time to time check my portfolio, and it's just sort of it's it's like this little treat. Oh, that's right, I still own Melco, and it's doing quite well, although. Although my guess is you would look at Melco today and say, wow, this is, this is a – for all the talk that we have of companies whose stock price appears to have outrun the business, my guess is you look at Melco trading at somewhere in the neighborhood of $33 a share and say, that stock price is probably ahead of the business right now. You know, don't underestimate Macau. I mean, Melco is a casino operator there. It's a pure play on, on Asian gaming. Um, you know, in, at, at Motley Flasset Management, we don't – you know, 
we don't own any Melco at present, and that's partly because we thought it looked expensive, and, and we opted. You know, if you look at our disclosures, we have um, Win Macau and Win Resorts, which is obviously playing in the same market. Um, I think Win probably has a superior management team to Melco in terms of track record and and um, capital allocation expertise. You know, but you know the numbers coming out of Macau in terms of just gross gaming volume. Don't bet against it. You know, that's. I think if there's a stock that you just forget about and check in on every six months, that's a perfectly reasonable one to, to, for it to be. Uh, before we wrap up with our final topic, uh, since you mentioned Steve Wynn, you had the chance to meet with him. I love Steve Wynn. I was just going to say, I adore you, him. Give, 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 <laughs> can I share with our listeners uh, just 60 seconds or so on Steve Wynn. I mean, you know, Steve Wynn is, 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 I think, just a great public company manager and and I'll say that for two reasons one if you if you haven't read or listened to his conference calls or don't read them every quarter start I mean go back and read they're entertaining they're transparent um, he gives his honest opinions you know in a world that's just been overcome by sort of like political rhetoric and generic speak and whatnot he still tells it like it is and or at least gives you his honest thoughts on what he was thinking and why he made a decision right um, and also I think there's been no better company that I know of in, in recent market history who has been so opportunistic about repurchasing shares when they're cheap and issuing shares for capital when they're expensive, which is just that's I mean, that's a home run. Yeah. If you can get cheap capital when your stock is expensive. So many companies do it the other way, which I was is gonna say, it's a short list of companies. You know, my that company's that do doing that. well. My stock's up. I'm going to buy back shares or conversely, <laughs> you know, like some of these banks Matt was talking about, which is my business is going down the toilet. And I need money now. Yeah, my stock's down eighty-two <laughs> percent. It may not be reflective of my favorite, but I'm going to issue stock because I need the money. I mean, that's just the wrong way well, that have, to do it. They, they of course had no choice. <laughs> well, was, I mean, they had a choice. A I mean, they had a choice at the front end in terms of not getting themselves into that situation, which is, I mean, now we're, you get true. into the realm of counterfactuals. But if you're issuing stock, they had no choice probably at that point to raise capital. But the reason they got into such crisis is because they were probably they were extremely poorly run. They were terribly and, terrible at what they did. And I mean, that's that's that would be the I think the counter AIG may be a different beast than the JP Morgan's Bank of America's of the world. But I just also don't understand how what you they did. how you trust you know how you say you almost blew up your business three years ago, but what you're doing now, I'm sure you're doing it the right way. <laughs> I don't know. It just takes a lot of faith, and I don't think the disclosures that big banks are at a point where you can, uh, where you can trust them. But um, you know that that is what it is. But you know, Steve Wynn, I think he runs his company the right way, and uh, he's fun to listen to. Years ago, I was sold on Steve Wynn. In the casino industry, a lot of the valuations take place on the basis of EBITDA. On an analyst call, the analysts were talking about EBITDA, and and Wynn essentially said. I don't know why you're talking about EBITDA so much. The de- depreciation in the casino business is a real expense. This is not a phantom. This is not a phantom number. Yeah, yeah. You have to spend in the casino business to keep the resorts up. Um, and I thought that that was a, a great way to put it. Well, there was another great call, not on this most recent call, but two calls ago. Somebody asked a question about a hold percentage at like table games and one casino that he has. And rather than answer the question, this, the call ended on this note. He goes, he says something like, I'm paraphrasing, you know. I could give you that number, but that's the kind of thing you guys just always ask about on a quarterly call like this that in the long run, yeah, just doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> and, and, then, and then the operator comes and says, are there any more, any more questions? But what there are no more questions. What are you supposed to put on page six of the model? What's that? What are you supposed yeah, to put on right. tab number six of the model? Exactly. It's hilarious. The disdain he has for some of those people is just outstanding. Let's wrap up because it's Halloween. Let's talk candy. 
because uh, there is so much candy. Two and a half billion dollars, just shy of two and a half billion dollars being spent on candy in the U.S. for Halloween this year. So many different varieties. And I'm just curious whether it's from your childhood or now when you're walking down the aisle seeing what you can buy to give out for kids who are trick-or-treating. Overrated, underrated. What do you got, Tim? I'm, I'm a fan of, of, of coconut. And I know that's a controversial choice. That is. But um, I always oh, this that, is going to be a heated debate. And this was this was a big fan, this was a big opportunity for me as a as a candy trader as a kid because I could a lot of people don't like the coconut. Right. And these are you know I'm talking the almond joy <laughs> yeah. the mounds, and so you could flip, and I don't like caramel. Right. Oh. So I could flip caramel for coconut all day. And uh, I know caramel coconut. I think those are two of the more controversial flavors in the candy world. So I think when it comes time to buying candy to give out, we usually stick it with uh, Reese's peanut butter cups. Could you get like a, a two for one, two for one with the caramel? Coconut? Oh yeah, oh yeah, no yeah. I mean, you recognize who you're trading with, and then you just knock it out. It's counterparties. When I was, uh, when <laughs> I got to know your counterparty. <laughs> when I was driving my second grader and fifth grader to school this morning, we talked. We were talking about trick or treating, but we were also. T- uh, uh, my daughter Maeve said, uh, and you know, and tomorrow is when the illicit black market uh, starts. And I'm like, wait, what illicit black market? She said, the candy trading. And so we actually talked about not just candy trading, but the, I, I, I made sure that they understood. Like, hey, look, don't don't think quanti- you have to match quantity for quantity. Oh no, I said I don't like Jolly Rancher. So I'm happy to trade five Jolly Rancher. Got to get, in get there with the futures market. If I if I get one, you know, Baby Ruth in uh, in return. Overrated Whoppers, terrible. I don't even know why Whoppers are in wow. those those bag mixes. I agree. I hate Whoppers. Totally too. terrible. Stephen Colbert uh, tweeted this this morning. He said, "A North Dakota woman says she'll give chubby kids disapproving letters on <laughs> Halloween instead of candy. Still beats candy corn. Candy corn underrated. I've got some here. You guys. Can I hate candy corn too. Candy corn is delicious. Look." See, I told you I was taking notes. I told you I was taking notes. At the end of the day, what is Halloween if not a way to get as much sugar into your system as possible? Candy corn is the perfect delivery device. All it is is sugar. What about those? You're like, not messing um, around with coconut. I mean, what about those? Uh, you remember those pixie sticks? I mean, yeah. that. Well, that's like mainline. That's literally mainline. But, but, main that's, but that's not that's not uh, underrated. Pixie sticks. Fair enough. Fun Fair dip. Enough. Fund it. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you on candy corn, although I would say um, as a way to uh, export a flavor, it's incredibly overrated. The notion that people say, oh, can- people love candy corn. Let's make candy corn M&Ms Ooh, or candy no. corn Oreos. Oh, no. no, those are horrible. Oh, that's, that's, a, a, t- that's a bad idea. Terrible idea. Yeah, you know, I, my view on candy corn is the same way I view fruitcake at Christmas, which is like it's obviously become totally integrated into the holiday. You can't not have it, but right. – I hope somebody else eats it. <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> Fruitcake is terrible. Candy corn, delicious. To read more from Tim Hansen. I'll trade you my, my candy corn for your coconut. <laughs> I'm not giving you a two for one in that. <laughs> <laughs> to read more from Tim Hansen and his colleagues at Motley Fool Funds, you can just go to foolfunds.com, sign up for Declaration's free monthly newsletter. To hear more from Matt Copenheffer, check out Where the Money Is, the daily podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. Guys, thanks for being here. I like Matt's podcast, by the way. I enjoy it. I recommend it. Look, 
It's a good podcast. It's good stuff. <laughs> As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That does it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by the birthday girl, Anne Henry. Happy birthday, Anne! Happy birthday, Anne. And uh, for her birthday, she now gets cheaper auto insurance because of her stuff. You know what? (laughs) Calculate the LTV of that. That's good stuff. Boom. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.